Story structure by Pixar. Once upon a time, there was a dog. Every day, the dog went to the yard. Until one day, the mailman didn't come. Because of that, he had to go find the mailman. And because of that, he needed to make friends with the neighbor's cat. Until finally, together they found the mailman. You're listening to Writing Roots, brought to you by Aspen House Publishing. Welcome to Story Structure Basics. This is Lee S's. I am Lee Hull, and we are going to be talking about how to write a story. So uh, plotting a story and understanding your story structure is super important. Plotting? plotting. No. No, not plotting. Understanding your story structure <laughs> is important to making sure that your story moves. Have you ever picked up a book where you just didn't know why you were reading it? There was no emotional engagement uh, into what's going on? Yes. So it's horrible. Oftentimes, the issue with that is the author didn't properly set up their story structure. And they took too long getting to it when they yes. finally did. So one of the biggest mistakes that I've seen myself make as a new author, and then I've since seen other new authors make, is they feel like they have to tell the story before they tell the story. Before I tell you about Frodo and the Ring, first you have to understand about all of this other stuff that happened first. Just get to Frodo and the Ring. It would be like if Tolkien wrote The Hobbit as the first chapter yes. of The Lord of the Rings. Yes. That would be horribly boring. And it would be difficult mm. to chew through. More boring than it already and... is. <laughs> be nice. Sorry, I love Lord of the Rings. I really do. It's hard to read. You kind of have to Trek it out. get in the right <laughs> mind space for it, definitely. One of the best story structures, though. Yes, absolutely. And I think that'll be sort of one of our themes for today. What you heard uh, at the beginning of the podcast was actually the Pixar model for story structure. So once upon a time, there was a blank, every day blank, until one day, which tends to be your inciting action. That's the thing that changes the world. Because of that, something happens. And because of that, something happens until finally resolution. So probably one of the easiest examples to follow in this model would be the movie Up. They had kind of like mini story structures of the Pixar model throughout all of Up and then the big arcing one, but it's so good. Pixar story structure is amazing. Yes, absolutely. So real quick, we're going to talk about what you need to know as an author. Problem solution. So this is the most basic story structure and the one I see people Put down books because the authors don't quite get right. What is so difficult about a problem-solution problem? When introducing the problem, a lot of times as an author, you want to make sure the problem makes sense. And so you're going to make sure, oh, the audience should know this first. Oh, the audience should know this first. When So it ends up being a lot of exposition before they actually encounter yes. the problem? And you don't want your reader to feel like they're reading a, a history book. Um, they want to know about your character. Get the character, get the reader emotionally involved. I once read a mystery novel where the murder didn't happen until halfway through the book. Ugh. You only gain so much favor from your audience. And, okay, hang in with me. We'll, we'll get to the, the plot in just a sec, but you have to understand this first. And then, like, half of the novel was that. Ugh. No. That's not okay. 
<laughs> Another really important part about the problem is setting, we talked in our last podcast about setting expectations for your readers. They know when the book is over because the problem has been solved. But if they don't know what that problem is, then there's no resolution. Mm -hmm. And if they aren't looking for and they don't understand the problem in the first act, then it feels like it should be another minor plot point. Now, if you are writing a series, still have a problem and a solution, you can have a bigger problem, bigger solution about the world that each of the books go through. But for the book, should be a very intimate problem and solution. TV series are a really good representation of that mm -hmm. because you'll have a um, season or a series, depending on where you are, that they have a problem that they're working to from episode one to solve that finally gets resolved in the final episode. Mm -hmm. But each episode has also their own. Has the murder to solve. Plus, yeah. she's planning a wedding for the end of the season. Yeah. And we know it's the big season grand finale because this is the episode with the wedding in it. So that is, you have your problem. You have to define that problem in order to give this solution. And I would also say that it needs to be satisfying for your reader. Because if you, say in a fantasy book, you have problems and all of a sudden it's just someone steps in, does magic, and it's all gone. That's not a very satisfying end if you haven't set up that that's going to be the end. Yes, because satisfying is, again, about expectations. And so if it's this deus ex machina response of, and then the king comes in and, and forgives him for all his sins and everyone lives happily ever after, that's not nearly as satisfying as him raising this child that he's now rescued or whatever the story is. Yeah, having to fight for whatever that ending is. So the two-act and the five-act model are both actually more theatrical. You're not going to see that as much in novels, but we should mention it. The two-act is the simple problem and then like introducing the problem, then introducing the solution. The two-acts are split into the two-acts because people need to pee, so there's an intermission. <laughs> um, the five-act is a little more antiquated in theater. You'll see that a lot of that in Shakespeare. Shakespeare. Yeah. Um, and so each act is its own scene. The break in between is to scene change. It can sometimes be difficult to translate this to your writing, but understanding what it looks like is important. Yeah, if you understand what it looks like, and it also helps if you're trying to do this in writing, have little mini climaxes for each mm -hmm. of those acts. Have some kind of smaller problem that they're trying to resolve that they hit and then fix, but it's still only a, a partial solution toward the, the end. There's a tool that one of my favorite TV shows uses really well, and the tool is called Yes, But. So, yes, we've taken a step closer to the resolution, but it was at a cost. And so now that cost has become a new mini problem throughout your story. Yes, one of the brothers was revived, but it was the devil who revived him. Therefore, they owe the devil a favor. And yes, the TV show I'm talking about is Supernatural, if you guys haven't figured it out. Surprise, surprise. But that is one of the best tools you can learn from the writing of this particular show, which I, I absolutely love the writing in this show. But the yes, but tool helps your character not feel incompetent because they haven't gotten to the solution right away. What is the most common story structure that we encounter today, especially in books? Books and movies both share the three-act structure. So act one is the introduction where all, any named character all have to be sort of named in the first act. Your main character will often encounter your bad guy and more often than not encounter their mentor character at the same time if you're writing a hero's journey story. Villain should definitely be introduced and the problem 
should be introduced. Whatever your problem is should be introduced in Act 1. Act 2 is when everything sort of starts to tighten down. The reality really hits your main character. So if your character was kind of dragged kicking and screaming into being the hero, this is when their point of view shifts and they accept the hero mantle. They become the character they're supposed to be. This is where most pantsers especially struggle. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Because I know where I want to start my books and I know where I want to end my books. The middle bits are so hard because you have to have interesting things that keep the plot moving, that keep your character going, but not make it, you know, the camping scene from the seventh book of Harry Potter. Yeah. Where half the book was camping. And then everything exciting happened in the last like five chapters. Yes. So I ask myself, okay, I know how it ends. What needs to happen first? He needs to lose his sword at this point. He needs to lose a good friend of his so he realizes the cost of what's going on. The bus needs to almost run out of gas before you know the bomb goes up, whatever it is. So this is the really difficult part, I think, in writing. And I think this is where a lot of authors give up. After there's been that character shift, then there's the moment where the character loses their mentor and the stakes get really high. Your major failure, the point of no return, is kind of the marker of the difference between Acts 2 and 3. Knowing your resolution and all of the the groundwork that has to happen, putting that groundwork down, if you drop it in Act 3, it feels very convenient. To me, that sounds like it would be very helpful in making sure your act two is good. I can see how skipping to act three, writing that, and then you can kind of fill in all those blanks. It's part of why as a pantser, I will try to write the whole thing and then go back to the beginning and almost rewrite the whole thing to make sure that those things that I finally got to in the end are well established in the middle so that those expectations of the audience that I'm setting up are satisfyingly Mm -hmm. resolved. What would you kind of say to overview what we've talked about today? Don't be afraid of story structure. And um, a lot of people, I hear them go, "Uh, I don't want to be cliche. Stop worrying about what other people think about your book. Get it down. And having a structure actually helps your audience engage. It does not make you feel cliche at all. Yeah, you can be really diverse. You can throw things in and be weird and do it differently But if you aren't sticking to a structure, if you aren't sticking to something that people expect, you're really going to have a hard time keeping people around to read your books. Mm -hmm. They are more likely going to get lost in the middle and just set it down. So find that structure. Find what structure works for your writing. If you're a pantser, honestly decide before you start writing what kind of structure you're going to go for. Whatever you do, whatever you choose, just figure out that structure and stick with it. And until next time, write selfishly. If you have a question or comment for our hosts or a topic you'd like us to cover, send us an email at writingroots at aspenhousepublishing.com or find us on Facebook by searching for Aspen House Publishing.